This is Daniel, your Game Master and Master of Ceremony. This is Tori, and I play Dooley. This is Sorcerer, and I play Ty. This is Becca, and I play Mirgrat. And this is Odyssey, a Babylon 5 story. Welcome aboard. What's the worst thing about working with the Pakbarad in an industry such as mine? Everyone thinks it's it's the biology, it's the smell, it's the catering that has to happen. No, it is the distribution rights that is near impossible to get from the Pakbarad government. I can tell you from experience. Unfortunately, the good news is that uh, I don't have to deal with it that often. And uh, oh, 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 hold on a second, uh-huh. <coughs> you, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Have my card. Have my. Card. Ah, good, 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 good. <laughs> I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> oh, thank you for waiting, but come, come. Talk to Bedini. Bedini has more stories for you regarding the Taumari Celestia in this grand odyssey that I have been on. Now, where did Lee laugh off? Oh, yes. Ty and Lee were uh, going to... Uh, by a person. I'm not kidding. It's going to be lovely. I mean, it's kind of insulting for the Centauri, but it's going to be lovely. And then Grant was doing his own investigations regarding uh, what happened to a nurse who was had, had disappeared. However, where we start is where we have to start with the Pakmarat Mirgrat. Mirgrat was attending a funeral for Tomasi, a Pakmara who had overdosed on Amber and had died while in the throes of Amber, while giving telepathic premonitions to many of our intrepid adventurers. In, however, the important detail that we left out on was the fact that at the wake for Tomasi, Tomasi was slowly being devoured by a couple of taste testers. About 12 in total, there's about 20 to 30 actual attendees, all designed to take a little small bite for the sacrifice this person made, and to both honor the the, the wisdom that he has brought with him into this realm, but also to uh, allow the wisdom to spread amongst the collective. Um, A Pakmara funeral is basically the only one at which it is appropriate to bring your own lobster bib. I'm sorry. Now, once again, I have Futurama in my head. Oh, don't you hate it when a friend goes mad and you have to have a clam bake and cook them? Yeah! Uh, Oh, I was thinking of Michael Valentine. Oh, yep. There you go. Stranger in a Strange Land. There you go again. Made into a soup. However, the taste testers, after chewing on a couple of mouthfuls of them, all stop and stand up at once, their eyes glowing a interesting gold, and... Amber, one might Amber, say? Quite possibly. <laughs> and all started to say a certain phrase, which is starting to ring true in a lot of cases now, and is actually something similar to what Tomasi actually said. The messenger is the message. And they all say this in native Pakmara, as they all kind of, it's not quite sing it or chant it at once, but it's that 
everyone's been to that movie where a hundred hundred people are being possessed by the same entity and they all talk at once. Ah, uh, they intone it. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they intoned the messenger is the message. This is where we left off last episode, and I think that's the place we should start for this episode. Unless anybody else thinks that they have a that should, this should be left for the mid uh, the uh, mid episode reveal. Nope. No nope. Okay, good. Let's start there. I mean, that's what you all. So <laughs> this feels like a trick question. <laughs> then I'm doing my job right. Uh, <laughs> you are learning the ways of gaming. Um, I think so- it's important to be able to trust your DM. You just need to expect that they're also going to take opportunities to fuck you over. Basically, yes. I, uh, as I mentioned previously, I have a reputation in certain gaming circles to, of uh, betrayal, and it's going to get a little blue. I'm I'm keeping that last part to the back burner because again, PG thirteen. Yes, here they are intoning the messenger is the message. You're not the only one who hasn't taken a bite and are thus not you know enthralled, but some of the others kind of mill around, going, I and no idea what's going on. I'm not sure what to expect now. Why is this happening? So again, little little you know mutterings in the background. They do, however, turn to you, saying the messenger is the message. All right. Um, is there any... I, I, Me, Becca the person, feels awkward asking this, but this is a reasonable thing for my character. Is there any of Tomasi left? <laughs> yes. Quite a bit. Like I said, it's only been 12 of them, and they've only grabbed a couple of mouthfuls. Basically, in the tradition, you don't just all scavenge in, just like... Yeah, no, it's it's, it's orderly. It's orderly. Basically, several gather around, they take a bite, they let the next people go around, take a bite, and they go back and forth until the body is consumed. Uh, So, yeah, it's only been about 12, maybe 20 people who have taken a bite and have succumbed, whereas there's another 20 to 30 depending, and uh, waiting to take their turn. So, yeah, you have not eaten, but there's plenty of Tomasi to go around. Alright, I'm gonna take a bite. Oh my, okay! Because I've got all these I've got all these people around me saying the messenger is the message, and I'm clearly not getting the message, and so obviously what I need to do to get the message is be the messenger. So, yeah, hook me up with some of that... <laughs> Oh my god, okay. Uh, 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 oh, were you not expecting me to jump in feet first? Nope, can't say it was. Okay, I did <laughs> So, I'm gonna have to say A, bonus points to Becca for making the GM go, wait, what? <laughs> and my brain just went, oh dear god. What happened? So I'm going to hold that there. (laughs) As you, as Mirgret says, I understand now. And chows down on a thigh. I I, I don't know if I would would say chows down is the right word. Uh, But, you know, I'm going to sample it for science. (laughs) For science? (laughs) Um, Okay. All right. Um, wow. Okay. Um, hold on a second. I have the other cards. 
I, this is the, I, I don't know what to do now. Okay, um, all right. Um, so, in the meantime, who wants to go next on their particular adventure? <laughs> or do you guys just want to sit here and go, I need to know what happened next! I'll take the ladders. I'll take your silence in, in, in that regard, too. All right. I mean, oh. we need to break for a few minutes so you can like regroup and, and gather your uh, gather your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm on medication. I can't take a shot right now, so that's not going to help anything. But uh... <laughs> okay, um, this is not the weirdest situation like this I have ever encountered. That was a uh, a game that a friend of mine ran a vampire years ago, where he had gotten to the point where he had angled his character, uh, one guy's character. To blood frenzy meant he had to feed right now or he was going to die. And he was in hell, literal hell. His friends were on one side. The other side was this chasm. So he had a choice, consume his friends or dump into the chasm. And there was Satan laughing over him going, aha, which do you choose? Which will you choose? And the guy said, I kick Satan in the balls. Jim <laughs> stood up. Went to the back room for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, well, I'm known for doing the improv. Let's see what we got. Well, first of all, let's make things a little bit more interesting. This is very apropos. I'm going to need a fortitude save and then a will save. Oh, uh, shoot. That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> I get a racial bonus on fort saves. That's true. You... Give me just a moment. Take your time. Do what you got to do. Fort save first. Yes, please. Ten. Well. Yep. You roll a four, and you got ten. Now, granted, that's very nice. You have a plus six for your save. Okay. That's going to make things interesting. Go ahead and roll your will save. But I'm going to say it for the record. You're going to need to impress me. <laughs> How impressive do you find a 16? Oh, I missed that. Okay, it's decent. All right. The first fortitude you save to see is whether or not how your body could handle the influx of new chemicals. Yes, you can handle it very well, but this is very strange and unusual, very alien chemicals. So, yeah. The second one was the will save because it went straight to your head fast. Now, even as a telepath, this is even more than you're used to. This is a lot of just data pouring in in a lot of cases. I did pull four cards. I'm going to make a fifth just to round it out. Okay. At the uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I will be revealing which cards were, were pulled at the end of this little scene here. Enjoy. So, basically what's going on is after you didn't quite make your fortitude save, uh, but you didn't fail it. If you had failed it, you would have simply uh, purged yourself of the material as your body would have just expelled it. Basically, you would have made an awful mess, but there you go. There's always one at a Pachmara funeral. <laughs> just you know, Who just can't stomach the tragedy? Um, yeah. who, who's outpouring... It's, it's an emotional response, not a physical one. Exactly. But in this case, it's a physical one. It's um, in the same way that if you were to consume peyote, and I cannot remember the other uh, hallucinogen, but there are certain rites and rituals that are for very spiritual purposes, causing that you use hallucinogens and... and uh, uh, what was it? Mescaline? 
No, not mescaline. Mescaline Ayahuasca. is derived from peyote. One of the things that peyote does is that the mescaline in it enters your system, but it enters as a binary chemical, and it causes you to throw up, and you will throw up a lot. However, the endorphins that are released by the brain and a couple other chemicals released by the brain interact with the chemicals from the peyote, and that actually gives you the hallucinogenic experience. Ayahuasca. And that's the other one is ayahuasca. Thank you. And in this particular case, you're having the same sort of reaction because, again, there's a little bit of the purging because you, you made this fortitude save, but just barely. So, yeah, nausea. You could feel your stomach clenching. You know that if you were any less than what you are, you would be spewing your guts out right now. But you've managed to keep it under control just enough. But that also meant that the chemicals in your system have entered your bloodstream and have now started to immediately affect your brain. You stagger back for a little bit and you kind of feel as reality drops away for a little while. It's just, it's literally as if, to use an image, you feel as if you fell backwards and the floor did not stop you. But you're not falling straight down. You're falling in a, in the same curve, uh, curved line as you would if you would just rotate it on your heels and fallen back. So you feel like you're going almost into a spin focused at your ankles. So this is every nightmare I've ever had about falling down a stairwell at my grandma's old condo building. Um, <laughs> really specific nightmare. I've gone into your soul and dredged up your worst fear. I, I, that's GM bonus points. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, that is one of my recurring. That used to be one of my recurring nightmares as a child. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm. I, I'm guessing I've gone full hypnotoad. Kinda. Yeah. It's just again, once you fall through the floor, for lack of a better term, it's like the floor wasn't really there either. You'd also you'd like pass through it as if you would pass through uh, uh, the skin of water, and you just kept sloshing through. Once through, though, the chamber, the ship, everything is still there. There is just the ghostly outlines of the former inhabitants. You get the pop, you're on the Pokemon section, so everyone else is Pokemon, but you just see ghostly outlines of these Pokemon. Instead, for a couple of them, around the ones around Tomasi's body, which is still vaguely luminescent, actually not even vaguely, it just heavily has a certain glow about it. Um, but the other ones around, the ones who all turned and said the messenger is the message, had all turned to you for a moment, and they kind of absorbed themselves into the same figure dragging with it the, the golden illumination of Tomasi. They kind of just blended. Like, again, they had gone into a gelatinous state and had decided to meld together into this pyramidic shape in a weird way. Pyramidic? It's kind of hard to describe. The pyramidic shape then changes into this barrel, elongated barrel shape for a second. And this... Tendril. Oh god, it's like it's breathing. It's like they're forming a giant gelatinous organism together that's breathing. Thank you. <laughs> Scotch is on your left. 
Um, <laughs> but even worse is this gelatinous form. This thing at the top emerges. A number of tentacles with eyes that just emerge from the top to look down on you. Oh, I mean, tentacle surprise is fine. I mean, fuck more <laughs> That but, reminds me of the pet I had growing up. Kinda, yes, except there's still the spherical sh- barrel-shaped to pyramid just undulation. Again, a couple of pseudopods flop out of the structure, and these things you kind of think are wings, kind of, they may be flippers, it's weird, kind of emerge from the back. Oh, do I? <sighs> I've got to throw one more card, because it's just too perfect. Ooh. Four of them came up. Okay. Alright, uh, so, it looks over, and you get this feeling from it. It growls a guttural thing. It's this overwhelming disgust at what it sees on every level. And it's looking at the ghostly images, and for a moment, you feel as if some of the tendrils and pseudopods just grab out of the uh, the, the uh, ghostly images and pull them in for a quick second. It brings it up to the, to the head tendrils, the eyes beaming all over the ghostly image, and then it is shoved through the barrel out the other side. But when it comes out the other side, that ghostly image takes on an almost ashen tone. It's still see-through. It's still barely there, but it went from being uh, something, I won't even say white, more of just, you know, cleanse and bright, just in a ghostly in that uh, shimmering way to ghostly in that ashen way. So going from radiant to spectral. Something like that. It just, you know, again, then the other things kind of flops through, and it's just grabbing these, and you could feel the sense of disgust on this thing's eyes. And it kind of, after a while, looks down, and it finds you. You're literally like the last in the room. That's, you know, again, you're not spectral, you're not anything, but you're just there. And it just kind of looks at you, and it's again has a sense of disgust, but there's a quizzical disgust in its eyes. And it. Oh, I, I'm an interesting bug on the bottom of its shoe. Something like that, yes. And then it looks down, and it says, "You, you get this? Not even a word. It's the feeling of of all the things that could have taken root. This." is what emerges. It just kind of queries and worried and... uh, It's just this sense of exasperation as if something had planted apple orchards and somehow had received pears. Well, apples don't breed true from seed, and so you really want to be grafting uh, branches onto good rootstock to begin with. So if you're planting an apple orchard, you know... You have more control over that, so you should probably have tended it better. There you go. But that's the same sort of feelings that you get, and I guess that's what I'm guessing that's the reaction that that uh, Mirkorat kind of responds in her mind. Yeah, it's like if, if you wanted if you wanted something specific, you should have you know you should have watched your damn shop. So it kind of looks down at you, and even more tendrils 
look, you know, emerge from the top of this barrel to go down and look at you, just one after the other. And it says, fascinating. That's that feeling of wonderment as it looks down on you. Not approval, but wonderment. It's, again... A fellow scientist! (laughs) One of the tendrils raises up in a way that kind of says, I think I know what you're saying, but I don't. I'm going to try and communicate the idea of science where the, the, the truest joy is not necessarily finding the answers that you might have been looking for, but finding the answers that surprise you because you know something has happened that is, that is, um, that you have not yet accounted for. You have been given new data to, to untangle. Technically, what this kind of refers to, even on a very, very infantile level, in that translation of very, very basic data of this very good concept you have, kind of translates down to how is it when you mix red with blue, you get purple, which looks reddish and bluish. But if you mix blue and yellow, you get green, something that doesn't look like anything. And then you learn about advanced color theory and it starts to make more sense. Exactly, but when you're a kid... Yes. You are like in first grade trying to figure out green. Green is always the strange color because it doesn't oh. feel like it fits the match. Is it? I'm. Uh, my mom was an artist, mm-hmm. oh. um, so I didn't have the green puzzle quite so much. Fair enough. <laughs> so, but <laughs> for some, let's just say for some people, this is the puzzlement they get when they're like first grade or something like that. Okay. And so, yeah, that image of sometimes when you get mixed two things together, the result is not what you expect in that sense of wonderment. I'm going to need a telepathy check from you now. Oh, hey. All right. What is my telepathy modifier? 17. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. So you're able to project the image. You realize, again, you're not talking with your mouth. You're not talking with your tendrils. You you realize, again, you're impressing with the telepathy. All this conversation is being done telepathically. And even in the tele- telepathics, you're not getting words from this thing. You're just getting ideas, concepts, very, in, very organic feelings rather than raw data. And it kind of, again, looks amused of that response and the feeling of I need more data I need to understand comes over it and (laughs) this is definitely a kindred spirit yep (laughs) you say that like it's a good thing yep (laughs) (laughs) yep okay It's, it's just and you get this idea of, I wish to know, we now need to know what is beyond. And the kind of the feeling, this is again, feeling. Don't take my words at exact precision for these. These are all feelings. Do you volunteer to, uh, to be our eyes and ears? Hell yes. Okay! Oh. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Did some mystical being from the beyond ask Mirga to be their research assistant? Because <laughs> if they did, then hell yes, I am all up in that shiz because, like, this is my jam! Yeah. I'm each in your laboratory. Visually speaking, this is what happens next. But you wholeheartedly agree that you want to help be the research for these things to help find better understanding immediately get something out of it when you open your tendrils to kind of go yeah you don't even get that far but you feel the gelatinous thing pouring into every orifice you have on your body and there's more than you think Yes, your ears, your eyes, your mouth, the the, the side gills, everything. Just any, any sort of uh, a way it can enter your system, it does it. And it just, first of all, the feeling that you are being pumped full of jello in and of itself as a physical manifestation of what is obviously a spiritual or uh, uh, telepathic situation is unnerving. Is it though? Have you have you ever swallowed a large amount of jello at once? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now try to swallow it through your eyes. I mean, here's the thing. Like, have you ever had a breadstick that you chew, like, not as thoroughly as you should because you enjoy the weird feeling you get when you swallow it and it, like, feels kind of rough on your esophagus, like it's scratching a weird itch that you didn't know existed? No. I have to no. remember that phrase. That is such an interesting <laughs> character uh, uh, focal affectation that it's like, you could build an entire character around that concept. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a Becca thing, but like, Congrats, you have now inspired characters to come. Enjoy! So, like, but, like, I mean, that's, like, (laughs) it's a weird sensation, but it's not necessarily one that's off-putting. Fair enough. Also, I like Jell-O. Some weird stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, but it's Jell-O going into your ears, your nose, your eyes, everything, just... (laughs) And you are filled, but not increased. So it comes into you, but it's not increasing your density. It's not increasing your mass. It's not increasing your size. And it's not even pushing you out of the way, mostly. Oh, it's just like uh, filling in all the cracks. Like, uh huh. Like when you've got um, a, a jar full of mar- marbles and you just kind of pour water into it so that, like, nothing is floating yet. It's just, there's just enough that you are doing, like, strictly displacement. Exactly. Uh, But think of that on an intellectual level. So, using the marble metaphor, imagine something had opened up your brain case and seen all the crevices of your brain and poured uh, synaptic fluid on it that that basically filled up the entirety of your brain case didn't push your brain aside, but seeped its way in between the cracks and crevices. A commentary on all the varying brain parts that you aren't using. <laughs> That's apocryphal. <laughs> 
So that's what happens to you in this incident. And yes, in cinematic fashion, right as it starts pouring into you would be the point that the camera would cut away. Yeah, and the Limitless theme song starts playing. And the what? And the the Limitless theme song starts playing. (laughs) Not necessarily, but we'll run with that. I never, never watched Limitless, so there you go. Um, uh, the, the conceit of the show is that there's this drug that allows you to use the full potential of your brain, not just the 10% that you're normally using. Which is scientific, not scientifically possible, but yes, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so in this case, it's more of, there is something going on with your system, and your system is not going to like it for a while. There will be some adaption going on. But I will give this little image as you blink your eyes before we go to commercial break or to the next scene. When you finally open your eyes, you know that feeling that you get where you're tired or you're hungover or you're sick, where you don't entirely feel like you're in your body. There's a little bit of a lag time. You're yes, almost... this is the point at which I would put on Eat a Peach and, like, grab a glass of water and then just go back in bed until the album is done. Okay, exactly. Uh, I have friends who might refer to it as unseated. Yes. Mirgret blinks her eyes, blinks her eyes, excuse me, sits up, stares at their hands for a few moments, and when they take in the room, everybody has fallen over. Dead, except for Mirgrat. What? <laughs> That's a good place for you to start. Let's go to the next episode. The next person. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> God, why do I suddenly have the highest body count? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay, getting myself back into mode. All right, who's next? Let's do. Who wants to volunteer next? We can go. Um, yeah, okay. sure. This is a package deal now. Gotcha. <laughs> All the time, oh, apparently. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> now you've got to figure out how to get the slave that you're trying to befriend out of the situation she's in. But, as has been noted by Joey, perhaps it's not a good idea for Julie to go down to steerage. So, what are you guys thinking about doing? Do we even have to go down to steerage? I mean, can't we just send payment and they send a person? That's technically true. You could. Uh, Everything's done by credit systems. It's not like you're working with uh, Centauri ducats. Centauri ducats, by the way, are accepted, but they're still coin of the realm. Uh, and- I mean, this is not some sort of underhanded deal. This is a legitimate deal, so. True. Uh, at least according to many parts of the organization. Slavery is technically outlawed in, in the ISA, but since it's still legal with the Centauri Republic and a couple other areas, uh, nations, they kind of let it slide as a you know cultural thing, for lack of a better term. There are many, many people in the ISA who are fighting this a lot. But I mean, yeah. even when you buy something on Craigslist, you still go meet up, like, in a public place. You don't just send them the money and hope that they give you the item. Yeah. This is a really bad way of putting it, but it's exactly what Ty would say, because I don't think she has a problem with slavery, really. I 
Well, I don't know how Bakari feel about this, but they're considering they're either very corporatist or very gangster. Probably it's no. again a business deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it, but I don't see any other way around it. But point fact is I can't go to steerage. Well, why don't we just call him up and have him meet us in the casino or whatever? Or the gas, the 7-Eleven, the Space 7-Eleven, <laughs> wherever. It doesn't really matter where we meet. There's a, there's a number of convenience uh, uh, kiosks for Give him like options yeah. so he doesn't feel like he's being set up somehow. But anywhere but steerage. We'll call him up. Okay. Now, the offering price was ten, was 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 ten thousand, which, if memory serves, Dooley wasn't sure she could access because of the issues going on. But Ty said, "Hey, I can. I'm flush with cash. I could pay you at an oh, interest that is not rate." What Ty said. Ty said that she would broker a deal for eight for two thousand right. dollars, so that Dooley has to pay less money. Ty is putting none of her money in this. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was basically a loan. I, I forgot. I thought it was a loan and an mm. interest. Wait, no, that's correct. This I would actually... never loan someone money. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Dooley's going to have to access her money. Okay. For good or for bad. So, uh, what you can do with the kiosk, no problem. Again, it's not like you, you've wired it before and they've you know, given you the money with basically a ha ha, know where you are. Uh, sent back to you, but at the same time, it's not like you've gotten off at the local port since then. Right, and I am also preparing a report to send to them that basically says, I'm now working with the Pacmara, and if you really want to piss them off, then, you know, you can you know, do something to one of their duly appointed representatives. So, um, yeah. And the horse you rode in on. Yeah, so as soon as I'm dead, I'm not, you know, very matter of fact, and this is the way it is, and I, you know, I don't want to be snide or anything in my report, but I'm just sending another official report saying, this is what's happened, and oh, by the way, I'm now, uh, you know, working with the diplomats of the Pacmara, and that's my current status. So, um, so yeah, I will, I'll I'll, uh, take the money out. Okay. How much are you taking? Just the 10000 or uh, are you doing anything else? No, I'm going to take twenty. Okay. And how much was in your credit account before? I do not understand what you're asking. Oh, um, you're taking out twenty. How much did you, uh, out of an account, what was, the, uh, what was the amount in the account before you took the twenty? Oh, uh, I am not sure. Let me look. Okay. I know it was a little bit more than what they put in there. But it was only like I always forget where money is on the sheet. Uh, I think it's near the equipment section, oh. uh, like third. So, or without their money, I only had two hundred and eight credits. Credits, but uh, keep in mind they haven't paid me for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel justified in taking out twenty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or or. Or I could just sit down and calculate what I would have earned in the past year and a half and take all that out. All right. I'm going to need uh, – honestly, I'm going to need a diplomacy role for lack of a better term. This is now just not just that you're convincing somebody to do something. This is also navigating the bureaucracy to get you what you need sort of thing, to get to know which right. form to give to the right person to get the money that you need. Make sense? Yep. All right. 28. Where are you? Are you in dice rolls or are you in uh, general? I'm in dice rolls. Did I not be in dice rolls? No, I, I wait. Hold on a second. 
There it is. Okay. There it is. Okay, sorry. My my screen just needed a minute or two to catch up. Okay, yeah, you rolled a 19. 28. Okay, that's pretty good. All right. You get lucky. And at this juncture, you manage to find the right people. You put in the right uh, uh, forms and put in the right information with the the regime to basically try to do the look. I, I know that I'm supposed to be owed a certain amount of money. I should have a bunch of my account from my from the various things. And yes, I recognize that I'm on the run because you idiots won't back me for this th- this particular issue. But I'm currently working for the Pac Mara. If you come after me, you're going to have them on your ass, which is a threat. But it's not one the Narn take. Okay. I'm credit. I'm a Narn, you know. Threatening threatening people is is you know breathing tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I send <laughs> off my report. I take out try, attempt to take out the money. Yes. Now for the twenty eight, I'm going to be generous. But basically, the person you get who takes the form he says we'll fill it. Does, looks you in the eye the whole time with the whole glare of, if I find you, I'm probably going to hurt you for what you did, because, again, it's noted on your file, the most of your, uh, 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 the incident, which the other people, other players don't know about, but I do, uh, with your cohort that led to the death of 500 to 1,000, depending on who you're talking to, yeah, they don't take kindly to that, but the guy basically says, you are right, your math is correct, Enjoy your blood money. And, and he basically says, and for your sake, I'm going to be nice. Never call here again. But here you go. You end up with 30000 Basically, with the 30000 he's saying, and that's it. You're on your own. I hope the assassins find you well. Should I mean this that they no longer consider this a mission at all? They don't care about finding the source of or someone else's or I'm no longer... I no longer well, have an official mission. Well, I, I will I'll preface this that you know this and uh, the rest of the group doesn't. So if everyone wants to get a quick cup of coffee, feel free. But remember, uh, based on your own background, you were put on an un- undercover mission that most of the people didn't know was going on. You just look like a playboy who was getting involved in a certain drug scene. Not re- And the people who did know that you were on this undercover mission died. As far as this guy is concerned, as far as most of the official documents are concerned, you're still technically not on a mission because they purged the records of that so nobody could find you. That's the, that's the undercover bit. The people who could break your cover that you know of have disappeared or otherwise been killed. And that was part of, from what I understood from your uh, character backstory, you want to complete your mission, but you want to use it as a way to clear your name. Right. So, yes, so according to this Narn, who doesn't know you, only knows your file, he doesn't know about the mission, he doesn't know about anything else, you just managed to get the right person to release oh, funds okay. to you. Right. And so, once that's gone through, yeah, he gives you the stink eye, he gives you the, bad, you know, we will get you for this traitor, we have Assassin's Guild for a reason. But, in, but yes. This is his are, personal opinion, not the government's response. Essentially, Yes. But he will be more than happy to mention that, yes, you did owe this. This wasn't your account. Nothing was confiscated because that's not how the Narn regime is, Trader. So (laughs) this is what they owe you. There may be some uh, difference in that because, again, I don't know what the starting cash again everyone else was. But this is your your cash. This is it. Uh, You got everything on a cred chip, essentially. Uh, Don't lose the cred chip. 
Because uh, <laughs> you do, ooh. But well, you I now mean, have you gotta go someplace else, and like like a bank or a money person, and break it apart into smaller credits. Okay. Well, money laundering. Well, think of a credit chip not as a unit of currency, but think of it like a debit card. Yeah, but I don't want it all in one. Gotcha. So, so you, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a bit. If you want to like immediately split it up, I will assume for the minute um, there is one person that you know of that is part of a race notorious for their banking. And so, uh, Ty, if you just want to give a quick knowledge, I believe it's. Uh, what is the the, the the working skill? It's trader. It's uh, where did that form go? Losing uh, everything. Going yes, your trades, uh, your profession skill, or your yeah, yeah, your profession uh, trucker. Oh, twenty three. I will accept. Uh, because so much of Bricari life is, like I said, halfway between a corporatocracy. And a gangster lifestyle. If, if Dooley turns and goes, okay, I have this money, but I don't want to keep it in the one account because if I lose it, I, I'm toast. What do I do? And you're like, you just turn to to Dooley and go, did no one ever teach you the basics of this? <laughs> do you not know how the bank works? <laughs> here, here, hold on. A second. And within like 20 minutes, five accounts have been split up. With the money into separate cards, each of which you have basically authorizations to, uh, each of them about six thousand in total. But you probably clear one out to, to pay for the out. So, again, probably if you did it by five, say five thousand each. Uh, oh, excuse me, that would be four thousand each. My bad. That means twenty thousand are split between these five these five accounts. So you're not out. <laughs> and I mentioned Julie would be like. Do you want interest rate on this? I got no, no. Don't worry about. It. Let's let's not deal with that. Uh, <laughs> I will one hundred percent go with interest rate all day, but I don't think yeah. we want to do that scene. That exactly. sounds terrible. <laughs> that means I would have to do that scene, and my brain is toast right now. I'm not doing That's it. That's okay. I'm not. I'm not asking you to, but this is just. I can see that again as a Bricari, It's like uh, being a Ferengi in some regards, where you know you're taught basic banking structures in kindergarten. Because <laughs> that's a survival tactic, man. We, we need to take some of that to be able to make the payment that we're heading to. So, that's the five accounts have four thousand each, not five thousand each, no, six thousand each, because you uh, ten thousand is currently in your primary chip. Okay. So there you go. And by the way, write all that down. I'm not going to. <laughs> and, and I mean that as in which account has so much creds left in it because when you pull from it you'll need to know which accounts you can close out and so forth right okay so yes you got a chip 10,000 uh, 10, credits no problem you can actually get it traded off for chips uh, which is again coin of the realm which is again for um, discrete purchases even though this is a full legal transaction who's putting this on the books Yes. So call his main. He'll meet you in the casino with the merchandise, as he puts it. Once or twice he slips or refers to it as the entertainment, which, <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that phrase will make your skin just kind of crawl and then recede and find a hole to slob off into. Uh, 
Yeah, I've seen weirder things. Yes. Yes, you have. I've been to truck stops before. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you got space flying, Jay. <laughs> so, actually, you'd be surprised. There's plenty of ports like that anyway. So, just as long as you do not watch the movie Space Truckers, I cannot recommend that you avoid that as much as possible. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. So, yeah, he, uh, come, he, when he sees you at the casino, I'm, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, uh, sees you at the casino, he's not done well. He still looks like, okay, very precise, but I think this illu- uh, uh, illuminates the idea. Imagine, if you will, a 1990s, early 2000s bodega or owner from New York in a bad part in a town part of town that is has seen better days. So you're fairly sure the guy probably lives in what are essentially tank tops and jeans, and he has somewhere or another found a suit that allows him to go. I won't say undetected, but let's just say less noticeable in. Uh, the casino area. However, the suit itself has probably seen better days as well, and is probably somewhere in the order of 10 to 20 years out of date fashion-wise. So it's not the bodega guy showing up with with a uh, a zoot suit, uh, or even showing up in a in a uh, leisure suit. So much as it's the guy showing up in a plaid suit. Okay, could be better. I went to this case. Uh, well, got it. Yeah, space goodwill is a good way of putting it. Behind him is Slave. She's eyes down. She's still wearing what is essentially... Okay. It kind of looks like the uniform she might wear when she was at the cafeteria you were at. However, in the right lighting, it also kind of looks like a Centauri maid's outfit. And you're not sure if that's intentional or not. So, another way of thinking of it is... um, Wrong. <laughs> yeah, wrong is a good one. Think of a badly made uh, waitress outfit made for somebody who is supposed to look uh, like they work more at Hooters than they do at uh, uh, fine dining. It's like a Halloween okay. costume. Like a Halloween costume, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Except not with it, that shitty-ass material. Definitely looks like it was made for use. Okay. But yeah, that's what she's wearing head down, you know, hands crossed in front of her. Just in standard, I'm in submission pose. He meets you at the bar, sorry, at the casino. Again, lights and sounds around you, people playing cards and various other games all around. But meets you at one of the lounges there. And it's both uh, you and Ty. Your friend is, looks up, kind of, you get that feeling, you can see the twinkle of hope that has been beaten down for uh, for decades uh, into cautious hope. The idea that maybe this will turn out better, and they're praying it'll turn out better, but better has not has eluded them for so long that they're not betting on this. They're right. hoping, goddammit. Alright. Just kind of goes up. So, uh, I hear you, uh, look at the, get into the biz, huh? Sits down, uh, yes, when he sits, he manspreads. Oh, fucking of course he does. 
it throws his arms on the shoulders of the of the chair. It's like, ah, you know, the guy looks like he's about to go spread eagle in a chair, for lack of a better term. I, um, I look at Kai because uh, I don't know what to do other than punch this guy in the face. <laughs> I Adequate look- response to a man spider. Just concerned by all of this. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Ty? I look totally unconcerned by all of this because I don't think Ty has enough human knowledge to consider this weird, or she just thinks everything is weird, ignores it. (laughs) So, okay. So, since Ty, you're doing the negotiations, that is a diplomacy check. All right. All right, 13 versus... Oh, not a great roll. You didn't start off on a good day, but you got a hell of a lot of points in it, so there's that. All right, so... It's my second highest skill. (laughs) You could talk your way out of a paper bag. I put a lot of points in the skills that look like they had something to do with lying. (laughs) For obvious reasons, now. (laughs) Oh! Um, After some negotiation, the guy is not a fool. At all. Uh, He actually upped the price to 20,000 when it looked like, well, there's someone really interested in it. It's the usual, uh, oh, you really like this car? Oh, did I say 5,000? I meant 10,000. And, of course, you roll decent enough to do the whole, don't screw around. Back and forth continues for a little bit. Ends up 13,000. Oh, great. I should have done my own negotiating. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I could have rolled just as poorly. Exactly. It's been an off day. It's been a rough week. It's been a very rough re- week. You've had to deal with weird visions and guys with blue emblems and towers of flesh that are, and bugs everywhere. It's been a weird week. Uh, yeah, but at the same yeah. time, this guy's not an idiot. Everyone thought he was because, you know, he's running a cafeteria in, a, in the steerage section. He's not exactly, you know, a CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of look around him and look at her like I'm trying to decide if she's worth 13000 Give me a bluff check. Okay. Ooh, 25. Five. Not bad. Oh, oh, yeah. You look completely disinterested. You actually, with a bluff, you kind of go, ugh, this, this one in paper. I, when I saw her before, she had that, she had that. This outfit is terrible. I mean, look at this. I didn't see the birthmarks there. Oh, my God. Look at that arm strength. Could she even hold the thing? You immediately, unfortunately... Check her teeth. Exactly. <laughs> you, for lack of a better term, spend five minutes finding every last flaw in her as a marketing ploy. So, okay, as soon as this is over, I offer him um, eight thousand dollars or okay, credits. Give me sorry. another diplomacy check. <laughs> okay. Two in a A little bit, yeah. Improbable. Okay. So he eventually goes, all right, all right, all right. I'm not going to get anything for her like this on the start. You got her for, uh, we got a couple of uh, weeks before we make port anyway. What do I care? 8000 it is. I'm still at a profit. All right. I guess I can pay 8000 He actually um, then goes, oh, hold on a second. Um, he goes, wait, I'm feeling feisty. What do you like say we make it real interesting? No. I'm not interested in <laughs> He says, he points over at one of the tables there. He says, 
one throw. Put it on. Uh, 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 you put half on a certain designation. I win. I keep it. She goes with you. I lose. You keep it. You keep her. What? Say that again. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, my brain went in the uh, said everything completely wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna wait yeah, for all the like, second. How, how do we lose in that deal? <laughs> Good deal. Uh, he says, "Okay, <laughs> for the taping, take two. Welcome to our blue for real. Um, <laughs> take two. He says, "All right." Looks over there. Basically, it's a baccarat tape, for lack of a better term, and you could bet on the player or the bank, or player versus player. And he says, all right, one hand. I win, I get the money, I get her. You win. Get the money, you get her. How's that sound to you? No, thank you. Yeah, we're not here to play cards. Um, uh, we're going to make a deal. Is, sure. Free is uh, free. Let's, let's, let's do a counter deal. I give you eight, you give me the woman. I don't give you eight. We walk away. You have less money than before. Kind of, uh, give me a quick diplomacy check on that one. Okay. I don't think that's technically an intimidate, though. That would be the next one I'd use. 22. Oh, there is an intimidate. You're welcome to use either one. Intimidate or uh, oh. diplomacy, whichever is higher. Uh, diplomacy is higher. Okay. So you're 23. He goes, ah, getcha. All right, fine. He kind of takes her and doesn't quite shove her in your direction, but definitely passes her off in your direction less than gently. Yeah, uh, With his one hand, he does that. With the other hand, he scoops up the chips. And, and we goes, get the paperwork. Right. And we get the paperwork. You have the contract. I want the contract. He looks at smart Narn. I guess Narn knows a thing or two about slave owning, huh? Uh, which, by the way, should make the Narn in you livid. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's going to pay for this later. Yeah, pulls out the contract from his uh, from his uh, uh, coat pocket. Says, all right. Takes it, grabs a pen, signs it. He says, sign the bottom. It's yours. I'll sign on the bottom. All right. He's, he says, grabs the chips. Pleasure doing business with you. He uh, immediately walks over straight to the Baccarat tables and puts all 8,000 down on a player. Yeah, his loss. <laughs> so, All right. Well, this is congratulations. The You're a proud slave owner. The irony does not escape me. <laughs> yes, uh, I look at the woman. I look at the woman. I say, "Yeah, first stop, new clothes." <laughs> yes, yes, of course, uh, uh, of course. She looks both bright, happy, but at the same time, again, still trepidatious. So. You uh, take probably a good 200 of your money. And you, again, you saved 2,000, so 200, that's 10%. You're good. Um, I mean, technically not, because that's Ty's payment. That's yeah, true. That's Ty for interesting negotiating skills. <laughs> <laughs> it worked in the long run. Yeah, it did. So, All right. So 200, okay? Okay. And you'll basically use that to get her outfitted to not look like a slave nor a noblewoman. So, again, mid-range Centauri. So, again, you're talking... The Centauri kind of look like 1700, uh, 1600s France. 
or Italy, depending yeah. who you talk yeah. to. So basically, the outfit she'll probably end up wearing is not unlike, um, as they used to refer to it, Renaissance uniforms. You know, undershirt, bodice, uh, skirts, that sort of stuff, but in Centauri colors and and everything else like that. So she's ecstatic. <laughs> she is ecstatic to be lower middle class or middle lower class. And she's just very thankful for that. So while your guys are shopping, and if there's anything else that comes up, let me know anything else you guys want to do. At the moment. Okay. Kind of that appointment, but it, it can wait until okay. someone else gets a turn. Fair enough. We'll get to, we'll get to you in, the, in a little bit, Ty. But I believe we have Paul Grant was on the hunt for uh, uh, for Simonson and right. for George Fisker. Okay, right. And, and I've been directed towards the food court to find George. Okay. So you find George there at the at one of the food courts. He's in his his uh, officer's uniform. It's again. He's technically a sergeant. Or at least used to be. It's hard to tell because, again, you're not really part of the ISA. You're not part of Earth Force. A lot of them are ex-Earth Force. Uh, and they're kind of corporate-owned, for lack of a better term. In the same way that, yes, the person who runs Royal Caribbean Cruise Line is captain, but you're not going to find a military uh, designation on that person. Mm-hmm. But, again, he probably still holds the, the sergeant uh, bars, as it were, on his, on his uniform. He's chowing down. You're not exactly sure what he's chowing down on, but it's as if somebody had taken a chili dog, uh, made it absolutely vegan, wrapped it in faux cheese, and dyed it somewhere between a green and a purple. Ew. (laughs) I'd eat it. Yep. We all had worse foods on a St. Patty's Day bitter. Mm. I'll dye anything. So, Do I see the Rangers? Uh, at first, you don't know. I mean, they—they they just he's just sitting there as, at the food court, just chowing away. Okay, I'll walk over to him, pat him on the shoulder, and say, "Hi, uh, George. May I have a seat?" Oh, uh, yes, Lieutenant. Please. He uh, offers offers his uh, hand over to one of the chairs. Now, George. Okay, George is not your standard sergeant. He has definitely put on a couple of pounds. And those pounds are put on a couple of pounds and so forth. He has a mustache that is not flamboyant or amazing, but definitely uh, denotes, I've had this mustache for a long time, and don't you dare argue me out of it. Uh, (laughs) He also looks like he's not balding yet, but the right stressful situation will probably give him a comb over. So, yeah, just get the idea of what what George is like. He says, Lieutenant, please. uh, (laughs) Sit down, sit down. How, uh, how can I help you today? Well, uh, George, I'm looking for Simonson, the nurse. Uh, his uh, doc, the uh, doctor. Uh, oh, good lord! I think I already yeah, closed uh, that document. <laughs> <laughs> doctor. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, uh, doctor said that he hadn't been seen, seen in about 36 hours, and he was very concerned about him. So I offered to help. Uh, can you tell me where you last saw Simonson? Oh, Doctor Rule sent you there. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, last I saw Simonson, he said he had an appointment. He had a couple of uh, emergency calls down in steerage, I hear. Uh, they were some sort of weird Hawk Moran nonsense, I think, or was it the free? Oh, I forget which. Uh, but yeah, they were just uh, – he said he had to go down there somewhere to, to 
get an emergency call or something. You said it's been about 23 hours? Well, probably see this Th- More right. like 36, I think. 36? Yeah, That's... I mean, this is encroaching into missing persons territory. Um, I'm happy to uh, run this down since I'm already looking for him anyway. But um, steerage, you say? Yeah, that's what last I saw. Like I said, he had something in the uh, uh, Pacora Center, I think it was, or some, okay. it was somewhere around there. I mean, he, again, I know Steerage is a big place, and they got all the the, the capsule hotel down there, but he can't sure. be that hard to find. Yeah. Okay. Here, here, he actually says, uh, hey, do you need a second set of eyes or something? He grabs a, a napkin, wipes his, his face a little bit. I, I can come with. My shift's technically not up for another, you know, two hours. Oh, sure, man. If you want to come along, I'd be happy to have the help. Okay, sure. He stands up and says, all right, and uh, here, I'll radio for uh, a third just to make sure. You know how us, we like to, you know, when you're down there, it's mostly fine. We like to keep it in order, but it's not like traveling upper class. It's um, a different thing. So, uh yeah. yeah, I don't want to waste anybody's time, but if you really feel, if you really feel like it's necessary, yeah, it's better safe than sorry. I mean, honestly, uh, he kind of says, "Look, I'm a trained soldier. You're a trained pilot, and we do great at our jobs." But down there, whole different avenue. Don't know what it is, but it's a whole different avenue. He punches up his link. Says, "Uh, yeah, I got uh, uh what was it? Oh yeah, yeah, I got Lieutenant uh, Grant here. I got a." Uh, Sorry, what was Grant's last name, or was Grant was his last name? Sherman. Sherman, thank you. I got Lieutenant Sherman here, and he's a. Uh, 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 we're doing a, a, a investigation down on steerage. Can I get a second, just backup, please? Nothing big, nothing. Just a, a second set of eyes. And uh, confirm, Sergeant. S- uh, sending, a deploying person. Oh, good, good. Have him meet us at. And he rattles off some coordinates. He says, "Ah, just we'll meet them at the station and work from there." Okay. So. He stands up, takes his tray of stuff to the recycler, where everything is immediately just, thanks to robotic hands and a bunch of other stuff, just immediately divvied up. Organics replaced in a composting. Plastics are immediately broken down and reformed into other things, and other things are just cleaned. So he's like, all right. So, uh, and he lifts his sizable ass out of the chair. He's, uh, stretches a little bit. All right. So, looks like we go walking. What, what exactly you were uh, asked me about? I mean, I know I'm good here, but I figured if you're looking for someone, you might ask uh, Kali or someone else like that. Oh no, uh, Chuck said that uh, the last person who knew where Simonson was was you. Oh, okay. Well, that's Chuck for you. Uh, Chuck spends most of his time in, in steerage. I'm surprised he's sitting here, but that's all right. I'm more than happy to get the exercise. Uh, I, th- I think I'm probably running in circles a little bit, but the, the goal is to make sure Simonson is okay because you know 36 hours—that's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah, especially for what is essentially supposed to be a quick run. Yeah, that's got my attention too. He, when he says attention to, he kind of taps his uh, his PPG. He's like, "Yeah, just it got my gander there for a second or two. Hey, we hear weird stuff around steerage all the time, you know, from." Oh, they stole my stuff. We have to break up a fight or two. Who was the Pacmarat eating this week? Why is the Vree drilling into my brain? And again, you get rumors that there's some sort of, you know, gangs down there or people doing all sorts of nefarious deeds away from first class. You think on a ship we could get away from stuff like that. You think, but again, we're like what quarter the size of B five. We're meant to hold how many thousand people? Uh, even if one percent of one percent are nefarious, that's still 
lot of people. Yeah. And when you deal with a ship like this, you know, again, you've got all the cultures, you've got, uh, oh God, Quan F plants. One group that's legal, one group that's illegal, a couple other people shouldn't go near them. One person causes psychotic rages. One person just thinks they're pretty. You know, how do we keep all that together? Yeah. So, it's a tough life. Yeah. Well, it's what we do and what we get. So you work with what that what that is, and he makes up idle chatter with you as you walk through. And when you actually get to the station right before steerage, which is, again, a little bit recessed from the main corridor, which is basically what you guys are walking down, uh, you'll meet the, the backup, which is actually Chuck, believe it or not. By the way, was there anything that you wanted in this parade while you guys talk, walk and talk? Was there anything you wanted to ask him about? Um, just, uh, you know, I'd heard that Simonson was looking into this new drug called Amber. It's apparently, you know, running rampant through uh, the steerage and maybe some other places. Have you heard anything about it? He starts laughing. He says, it's funny you bring that up. There was this Vicari woman. She uh, dumped an entire <laughs> dumped a hot coffee into some guy's lap. I thought she actually kicked it into the lap. I mean, that's, I, I wish I could have been there to see that. But we picked her up, and uh, she had these little squares, these little, like, dice-shaped cubes, you know, like, about, you know, about yay big. He holds up his fingers. Mm. But yay big that were that kind of uh, amber gold color things. And we didn't know what they were. Uh, she actually got arrested, but believe it or not, I'm not kidding here. A Pac Mara shows up to escort her and pay her tab. And they basically release it into uh, the Pac Mara's care. And, you know, she's basically told, don't get into trouble or you're going to run up right in the brig. And once we hit. Uh, some sort of space dock, you're going right into jail. Um, she had this stuff. And I think she called it Amber, too. How weird is that? Was this Pac Mara wearing air fresheners? Isn't that the weirdest thing? How'd you know that? Oh, uh, God. All right. Um, you know, I see things. Let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when I start seeing things around the Pac Mara, I ask him to put on an air freshener, too. Um, he thinks he made a great, slightly racist joke. You don't quite think so. No. Um, so I'm not laughing. Yeah. So it's just, he carries on the conversation. Um, anything else? Just while you guys got the talk, walk and talk for a bit. I mean, are you guys looking into this Amber at all? Or is this something you're ignoring? We'll wait to see what it comes up. We don't know how it's actual classification yet. Uh, I mean, it just had something, and told it has some sort of properties, and the Pac Mara are interested in it. But other than that, there's nothing about EarthGov, there's nothing through the ISA, there's nothing through anything else. In fact, we never even heard anything like it. But, you know... If it just so it's not the, expressly illegal either, I'm guessing. Not as that we know of. Again, we got to get... You know how the speed of courts go. Yeah. But if it's something causing a problem, then... And it's nefarious... We still got to keep an eye on it, and we still want it on the ship because, yeah, we got kids here. Oh, sure. Yeah, the less people are doing things that drive them out of control, the better. I mean, I don't like it when they crank up the bars and get all surly. Because, number one, I got to deal with them. And number two, you know, this is a, it's a place away from that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> got to make sure everything's good for the children. 
Uh, yeah, it's sa- uh, I'm here for the safety, you know. That's how it is. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes you, you, cops got a cop. Uh, cops got a cop, but uh, you ever get that feeling you're like the last person on the ship who gives a rat? Sure, sure. And, I'm feeling like that right now. Uh, welcome to the club, sir. Welcome to the club. When you get down to the uh, port, well, there he's. They stop. You stop by where the tram exits, and there's. Uh, Chaco Steen going, yeah, yeah, yes. Sir, sir, sir. Hi, hi. Yeah, they, they sent me along. You said you needed backup? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, something to watch our backs. We're going to do a quick investigation, okay? Just, uh, yes, sir, absolutely. Was this about the Simonson thing? He's just kind of nods and he says, all right, do you know anything? I mean, you're the one spending all the time down here on, uh, steerage. And he says, uh, just last I heard was something to do with, uh, uh, was it the, the Pogmara or, or, Oh, it was, it, it's near the back, sir. Whatever it was, it was near the back. He's all right, all right. He looks, he looks, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, George looks up to, uh, see you and says, okay, sir, uh, technically it's your show. You're officer on deck. Yeah. And just one thing before we head in, I know this, you're the security and I'm just ops, but you know, weapons in holsters, unless we're being shot at. All right. <laughs> he looks at understood, sir. No need to make a, make a fuss. He looks over at Chuck. You dig? He actually uses the phrase, you dig, a phrase that has not really been used in common parlance in decades. And and, and Chuck goes, yeah, I, I get it, sir. I get it. I get it. This is good. Last thing we need is more oopsies. Besides, we're nice. He's, we're nice, peaceful peace officers just doing our rounds. Spares the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. He looked, he, when you said finish better for the paperwork, he just kind of chucks you on the shoulders. That's the ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're looking for. Good on you, sir. Uh, anyway, your show, your floor. All right. Let's head in. Okay. So I'm going to need an intrigue check. Oh, good Lord. That is not something I'm strong in. It's all right. At all. Uh, intrigue. <laughs> Use untrained is yes, and that goes off charisma, but it is not a career or class skill rather. So, all right, we're just going to go off charisma. All right, 23. Oh, natural 20 to boot. All right. You make a couple of subtle investigations, asking about medical teams down here. Within the first three or four people you talk to, you actually get a lead. Even George is, by the way, stunned. At either your luck or acumen. He hasn't decided which it happened. You're not going to tell him. No, I'm not going to tell him because he's not going to like the answer. <laughs> well, who want, who doesn't want to think that it's all skill? Basically, again, from what you've been able to tell, Simonson did come down about 36 hours ago to deal with some sort of overdose. Uh, he was investigating the Amber, which led him to uh, a place that I'll refer to, a couple of people refer to as The Door. That's all he referred to it at, which is like the worst name ever. But you know, people go to the door for various things. Uh, I'm getting full like scary door from Futurama. <laughs> um, yeah, some people bring you know creds. Some people bring. Uh, they think it's some sort of antique shop because somebody just keeps selling strange alien artifacts there, left, right, and center, or that's where they see a lot of things there. And they think that Simonson went in to deal with an overdose in that area because it didn't look like he was holding anything antique, but they just, the, everyone says, well, either they missed him going out or he's still in there doing something, and if it's been 36 hours, it must be something important. But as always, you will hear the phrase, but it's not my business, so I didn't pay attention. 
Josh, not like my the- job is not a uh, phrase I'm super keen on hearing from these guys. If you see yeah. poop on the floor, pick it up. <laughs> That's going to take a long while down here. You don't like hearing not my job from anybody but NPR. Um, that's a bizarre joke for you. Even Chuck is just like, wait, or this is, this is, wait, these people do it. What exactly? This is crazy. Who brings antique stores to steerage? I mean, that's something that goes up into first class, right? People who don't want to get noticed. I guess, but for antiques? In, antiques might that? be a code word for something else. Ugh, you got a point there. When George looks up war, it could be illegal antiques. People do smuggling and trading, all that kind of stuff, you know? Says, but to trade it for cubes of of, of amber? That's that's gotta be some high return though. I mean we're talking antiques, right? Well, let's keep an open mind. All we can do is check it out. Says, alright, alright, that's all if that's what you can do, that's what you can do. So with some investigations you do figure out where the door is, and it is almost at the you know, when they said the end in the back, they mean it in that any further back and you're in the engines, like in the middle of the engines. They're like, uh, okay, so now what do we do? And George is like, now we do our freaking jobs. So, sir, how do you want to approach this? Do you want to do an investigation openly? Do you want us to keep observation? Uh, do you want us to just, you know, get an order and open, have the, and crack the door open? Uh, let's start with knocking. Um, you two stand back a little bit. Yes, sir. So you guys approach it. And there is a door which, uh, when you visually find it, it's not exactly marked in the, hello, this is the door. There's no red light out front. There's no special ornament or anything like that. Uh, it's not even painted differently. But the way that things are gathered around it kind of indicates this is the door. It doesn't look like it's junked outside, though there are plenty of people along the corridor who are just basically sleeping on the corridor. The door itself is, like I said, the last of the back. You cannot miss it no matter what you do. So you go up to the door. Oddly enough, there's at least two game helmets. Not the game themselves, just the helmets that have been, like, hung on the wall next to the door. Which is, like, the strangest thing. Hmm. Because uh, the game are methane breathers, so they basically put, you know, space helmets on the outside. Is this a warning or something else? Interesting. I don't know, boss. Uh, I don't I don't know, Lieutenant. But uh, let's see what we got. He kind of, you know, gives an eye to uh, uh, to Chuck. He says, all right, hang back, hang back, rookie. So it's your show, sir. All right, I ring the little doorbell. Okay, you hit the door chime. Door opens, and there is a just a big old broad guy has the word thug written all over him chiseled you know chiseled jaw square shoulders that are probably twice as broad as you are very nice suit for down here hey yeah can i help you officer i as i'm getting ready to talk to him with my best smile i do move one foot forward over the threshold of the door so if he tries to close it it's going to hit my foot uh and um I say, yeah, um, I'm looking for a nurse that was uh, doing some good deeds down here. Human, Simonson, you know anything? Oh, yeah, we don't get any humans around here. That's nothing. Uh, Simonson, Simonson, some nurse. Uh, Hold on a second. Uh, Hold on. I'm going to go talk to the boss. See if the boss doesn't hear anything about that, okay? So hold on a second. Uh, He turns around, and obviously the door is going to try to close. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I don't know how it works if, you're, you know, if your foot is stuck in, on a Babylon 5 door. 
<laughs> I have no idea how that math works. So for the moment, I'm going to assume that it works like it does elevator doors in that if your foot is in the door, the door just won't close. And uh, when he moves out of the way, you can tell there's at least a couple other people there who are standing around. A couple of them go to uh, a desk that is kind of not like, hi, I am, I'm in charge of here. Welcome to, welcome to the Godfather's lair. Kind of off to the side a little bit. There's a couple of the doors. But he goes up to a desk where there is a, a figure, chairs turned around. You hear the guy say something, but he doesn't say it in a language you recognize. Well, okay, well, this way. What languages do you recognize? What do you got on your list? Um, pretty much, just common, just okay, common. Yeah. So yeah. I am not. Uh, a, I am not a cunning linguist. Fair enough. <laughs> Good night, everybody. So, kind of looks around and says, Ah, yeah, yeah. He uh, comes up and he says, uh, uh, "The boss says there was a, a human nurse that was in, it was here around about uh, about a day or so ago. Uh, we had an incident where there was something to be checked out. He came running, he took the specimen, and left. That's about as much as we know. If you happen to know anything about our case, we'd really like to know about it. But unfortunately, uh, that's about as much as we can tell you." The specimen. What specimen? Uh, uh, he goes over to the boss, actually yelling, or get up there, Sonata! The specimen was an artifact that we had uh, discovered uh, in our trades that we wanted to verify for authenticity. So we paid Simonson a little bit of extra capital just to kind of run it through the scanner for verification. We won't go into details. That's company policy. So this thing might be my way to find Simonson. If I don't know what it is or what it looks like, how can I find Simonson? Well, Simonson's part of your crew, right? You should be able to find him easy. Well, I'm not sure he's still, quote, with us, quote, per se anymore. Uh, that'd be bad, because that means we lose our investment. All right. Well, uh, if you happen to see... uh. Uh, a, a petri dish about this big. He holds his hands about about two inches wide, with a a, a little bit of a blue stuff in it. It has the word uh, 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 "sample two a three or something like that. Then yeah, come talk to us. Okay, I'll keep an eye out. Thank you, sir. Oh, good, good. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. Door closes. I'm guessing the second your your foot is out of the way. Yeah. Thunk. Blue stuff. I shorter under my breath. And George's like, blue stuff? You mean like that brain we got? That's what I'm thinking. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, but even weirder is where is Simonson? Well, let's see. If he's not down, he's got more of that blue stuff. It's probably linking to whatever the doc is working on upstairs, which means if he's, it doesn't take that long to get from there to here and here to there. Not 36 Talking. hours anyway. No, no. And even if he did tests on his own, a base test for authenticity, which these guys talking about, that takes what? Six hours tops? I don't know the time frame, but uh, should we check his place? Yeah, I think we should, just in case. And it's going to be uh, back on the run. Come on, Ricky, let's go. And this is the point where... Sorry, I had to decide whether something was going to happen in the card I pulled was, and a rock in a hard place. I said, oh, you're being nice. You know, you're being helpful. Thank you. 
a rock and a hard place. Yes, I know. That's where I am. Next card. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not to not to do too much about this, but in my younger days, I used to do, uh, uh, read tarot cards for people uh, at various places. And I actually had was doing it for a friend of mine and who also knew tarot cards a little bit. And so she asked a question, and I threw out some cards. And at one point, she was so frustrated with the answers, she literally grabbed the deck for me, started flipping cards. But as she did so, she kept saying, shut up, shut up. (laughs) Time for the tarot card equivalent of dice jail. (laughs) It was more of she didn't want to hear the answer that it had coming up. It was kind of like the you have to own your shit. And she's like, no, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Thank you. The cards have spoken. Have a good day. <laughs> Sorry. On this other side note, that same sort of, like I said, I used to te- read cards. Two of the most bizarre things happened to me. The first one is the reason I never do them for money, like ever again, uh, was I needed some extra cash going through college, just doing a couple cards. Somebody came up to me. It was like biggest client I had that day. So she came up and says, hi, I'm starting this new job. And I want to know how it's going to go. So I throw out a couple of cards. I said, well, it's a job your friends don't want. Your family thinks you're crazy getting into. But you really like the subject matter. And it looks like a lot of fun. And there's definitely money in it. And you'll meet a lot of interesting but weird people. But you probably should watch yourself. But again, in the end, it's probably okay. And the person who's leading you through this knows what they're doing for themselves. But you should be beneficial. It'll be monetarily beneficial to you. You should be okay as long as you keep yourself together. She says, great, thanks. I, that's great. As she stands up, I have to, I go, wait, what job is it? And she said, <laughs> what she said is not what I heard, but basically what I heard was, I just found a pimp. And I yeah. went, I'm done. I am so done. She <laughs> was thinking exotic dancer. So, yeah. <laughs> so, well, anyway. As, as everyone just goes, wait, he does what exactly? Uh, whatever. I mean, uh, my money was on professional dominatrix, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. If this was prices right, you would so far be closest to the answer without going over. Uh, <laughs> so, see, the cards have spoken here. All right. You guys make your way up to the tram. You go up to the, near the, the front of the vessel, and you do find the quarters for Simonson. Now, Simonson's quarters, once you open it, uh, it takes three or four times. The door is jammed, like completely won't open. And George himself has to go in there with a couple of authorization codes to do emergency overrides. Once that happens, the door opens and the place is a wreck. Absolute wreck. Like tossed for looking for evidence wrecked? Um, Like tossed and signs of a struggle wrecked. Mm. George is say, well, George? Well, so about that paperwork, sir. Yeah. Um, I'll leave that to you and Chuck. I'll just tell me what to sign. Uh, but uh, this is looking like a uh, security event. This is now. Ah, you see what Padini brings you? Good stories. We have danger. We have excitement. We have paperwork. Possessions. We have possession in more than one case. So you must come back and join us again. Tobadini has more to tell you. Hey, join us next time. Come to Badini's house and I'll give you good things. Please come again. Now, if you'll excuse me, if you happen to know anything about Pogbarad distribution rights, 
would appreciate it. No? But uh, another time. Uh, for now, Joe, serve me up another drink. My throat's parched. And that's where we end for this week. I want to thank everyone for joining us and hope you continue to join us every two weeks for another episode of Odyssey. If you have any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or just want to say hi, then you can find us at temporalplaygrounds.com slash odyssey or email at temporalplaygrounds at gmail.com. Babylon 5 was created by J. Michael Trzynski and is owned by Warner Brothers Domestic Television. The Babylon 5 role-playing game was produced by Mongoose Publishing utilizing the OGL gaming license of D20. Our theme music was composed by Evan King. His song Titan Striker is available on YouTube and at evankingmusic.com. Incidental music and background was provided by Tabletop Audio at tabletopaudio.com. Please see websites for more information. Again, I am Daniel, and I thank you all for joining us on this adventure. Good night, and keep dreaming.